Welcome to the Choice Magazine podcast, Beyond the Page. Choice, the magazine of professional coaching, is your go-to source for expert insights and in-depth features from the world of professional coaching. I'm your host, Gary Schleifer, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. In each episode, we, duh, go beyond the page of articles published in Choice Magazine and dive deeper into some of the most recent and relevant topics impacting the world of professional coaching. Exploring the content, interviewing the talented minds like Alan's behind (laughs) these amazing articles, in particular his, and uncovering the stories that make an impact. Choice is more than a magazine. For over 21 years, we've built a community of like-minded people who create, use, and share coaching tools, tips, and techniques to add value to their business, and of course, make a difference and impact their clients. That's what we're doing it for. In today's episode, I'm speaking with author and coach Alan Heyman, who is the author of an article in our latest issue, Neuroscience and Coaching, Separating Myth myth from Reality, Tongue Twister. His article is entitled, Don't Just Have the Suit, How Analogies Support Coaching. A little bit about Alan. He has a a JD, and has got something to do with journalism. Uh, It's a law degree. A law degree. Oh, my goodness. Right. Way out of left field. Okay. A JD and is also a PCC and has a knack for coaching fellow introverts, helping them find their superpowers in an extroverted world. He also specializes in coaching through transitions. To date, Alan has coached leaders who work on five continents and were born in 26 countries. His clients is, I love how you're keeping track of this stuff. Um, it's, I keep track of ours. He keeps track of where they're born. His <laughs> clients have spanned corporations, including Fortune 50, nonprofit organizations, public utilities, and federal, county, and municipal governments. Alan is the author of the book, Guess what? It's over his shoulder there. Don't just have the soup. 52 analogies for leadership, coaching, and life. I like that part. Uh, Before becoming a coach, he spent uh, more than two decades in public, government, and nonprofit communications, leading teams from two to more than 100 people. Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Gary. It's great to be here. And uh, that intro made me sound so good. It's almost like I wrote it or something. Yeah, you know? And it does sound good. And a law degree? Okay, how did that come about? Like, You know, what I like to tell folks is that I got to a point in my career where I felt like something uh, graduate level would have been helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only more time-consuming, more, uh, you know, expensive endeavor that I could think of would have been medical school. Yeah, so medical I went to school? Yeah, because I never had a knack for the sciences. Uh, and all that being said, you know, as a night student in law school, you learn a lot, you meet a lot of interesting people. So I'm grateful for having had the experience, even though I never did practice law. <laughs> love it. I love it. Most difficult, second most difficult and most expensive. There's an analogy in there somewhere. Um, and okay, so how did you land upon this topic for yourself about analogies? What What drove that? I think it kind of found me in a way. So what I noticed often in my coaching sessions, just one-on-one with my clients, is that analogies would enter the picture. And sometimes they'd be telling a story and it would just pop into my mind. Sometimes it would be their analogy that came into the conversation. Or sometimes three weeks after the session, I thought, oh, that reminds me of that thing. So I started jotting them down. And I put together a few blog posts on my website. They seemed to be fairly well-received. 
And after a while, I realized this was happening so often that I began to amass kind of a collection of these things. And the collection back in 2021 uh, became a book. So I put together 52 analogies, one for every week of the year. Uh, my wife, Lindy Russell Heyman, who's a very talented art teacher and typically has had very little to do with what I do for a living, uh, did the illustrations for the book. So one uh, handcrafted illustration for each analogy. Wow, that's awesome. It's just, okay, kick me. It just dawned on me 52 weeks of the year. Of course, that's why you did 52. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like random numbers too. But, yeah, you know. Your next book, 365 analogies. <laughs> it might so take much. a little bit longer to assemble them, right? <laughs> I know. I know. So you spoke about a few analogies that you use and 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 their impact, but tell me some more. Let's let's tell me a fresh analogy, how it worked, what was the impact on a client? Absolutely. So, um, and, and and keep in mind, sometimes it's not the direct impact on the client; it's the impact on me as a coach. You oh, know, what is what is this? What is this telling me about myself, or what is this telling me about my ability to relate to clients? And as a matter of fact, as we're recording this conversation, this very morning, I posted a new one to my blog, uh, and it actually came about in the middle of a coaching session that I had several weeks ago with a client. So. We're having a conversation. Conversation is going well. She's developing some insights. She's gaining some new perspective on the situation that she's finding herself in at work, which is what we always hope for as coaches. And what happens here in my home office in the great state of Maryland, but the smoke alarm goes off oh. right in the middle of the session. I mean, okay. and, and these things are loud, even if you're not sitting right next to them, which I was. And it just took me completely out of concentration and out of presence and was disruptive to the client. And I you know, paused, excused myself, took the smoke alarm, you know, down the hall and out the door and put it out of, you know, earshot. And we eventually recentered. And the thing is, I know there's no fire in my house. I know that even though my home office is directly below my kitchen, there wasn't even any smoke because I'm home by myself. I'm not cooking. Like, it's not a thing. But I realized something in that moment, which is that sometimes we need to pay attention to our own internal smoke alarms and what they might be telling us. And we need to wonder whether there's an issue with the warning system or whether it's warning us about something of substance. So bringing this into a client, a client context, I think our clients, when they're in leadership, get warning signs of all kinds all the time if they're keen enough to kind of tap into them. As in, uh, you know, we have somebody we hired for a position who's underperforming. Let's think about what that means. Let's bring some curiosity into the situation and kind of assess what the smoke alarm is telling us in that moment, rather than jumping into conclusions or going punitive on that person or, you know, mm -hmm. trying to have some sort of, you know, self-recrimination for having hired the wrong person. What's actually going on here? Bring curiosity into the situation. Understand what the warning light or the smoke alarm is warning you about. So that was kind of my analogous understanding of what just happened randomly in that middle of that coaching session, which could have been, uh, you know, rather embarrassing. It could have been rather disruptive. It was a little bit of both of those things, uh, but it ended up being somewhat of a teachable moment. And I think a lot of the analogies that I write about are. That's great. You know, when you said that, that reminded when the, the alarm part of it is, it reminds me of my coach training and the level three listening. 
and yeah. bringing that into the conversation. You don't hear people talk about that too much anymore. Maybe that's a little too woo-woo, I don't know. But um, but definitely that that came up for me. And, and, and I tend to do that. I tend to like, it, I live in a condo building and we have these fire alarms way too often. Yeah. Um, and I, but I've used things like that, that enter into like, you know, something enters into their space, something enters into my space, noise, physically, whatever, right? And I use that as a, uh, a as you said, a teaching moment, uh, an opportunity to forward the conversation. I had to chuckle when you wrote the story in the in the uh, article about the um, your daughter and the president not doing his laundry. I thought that was hysterical, and it, you know, it just goes to show you the that that was you know when you say not just about coaching but also about life mm -hmm. right your book is the title of your book and uh it was a great uh moment that it did it made me laugh and made me think where you know how can i use this so alan you were coaching through the article thank you no i appreciate that and uh you know a lot of times those those analogies come up in in parenting they come up in in, in partnership they come up in friendship uh, and it's amazing. I hear the stories of how people find something to relate to in almost every single one of them. It's It's been great. Yeah. And Alan, I, I uh, want to thank you too for connecting the the dots between analogies and the core competencies. Mm. Um, it's, it's, I just, I, I just feel that the core competencies are this fluid, clear and fluid and and living entities and i almost picture them like behind me so whenever i have like and strings are attached to me and every you know have you ever seen that and you move this finger and this this thing pulls and you move finger and this like puppetry if you will but yeah, it, like i'm seeing it as bring them into the conversation as tools and now i don't use analogies way enough so mm -hmm. uh, i look forward to uh getting your book and starting to pick an analogy a week and uh and using them in my coaching Absolutely. And, and, and just keep in mind, what we're really doing is we're helping our clients reframe. That's to me, that's the bottom line. So analogies are a tool for that. Uh, I recently got certified in Lego serious play, which is something I can use with groups now for facilitation. That's another tool for reframing. There's something about, you know, folks have come to us because they've been very successful in the past thinking and doing in a certain way. And now for whatever reason, it's not working. So what do we do? We scramble the frame for them. And analogies, I find, are, are a great way to do that, but they're far from the only way. Yeah, no, definitely not. Like, And, and you referred to that, too. Um, and I don't know if you consider them the same. Uh, do you consider analogies and stories the same? They can be. They, they can, can be. be. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, you know, as you know, from all of your work, we human beings are, are master storytellers. We're, we're great at it. And Sometimes the work is to get the client into a story and sometimes the work is to get them out of one. Yeah. And, and in your article, you've given some coaching prompts. So, uh, you know, you've referenced, for example, a section called don't just have the soup and you tell the story and you offer coaching prompts. So I uh, advise our, our listeners and our readers to get a copy of the issue or the article and uh, see for yourself ways that you can 
play with analogies and laugh at Alan's stories, not Absolutely. at Alan, but at his stories. Cause I think I can take it. Um, I can take it. One of my favorite things actually is if I'm, I'm going over some of the material from the book or the article is to ask other coaches for their prompts that they might bring in, into their client work from this. Cause it, it ends up a little bit different depending on your, you know, your life experience, your culture of origin, but uh, everybody can find a little something in there for sure. Yes. Put your mask on before helping others. True. That in your article. And it's it's interesting because I mean, the majority of people have either flown or seen that safety instruction or seen it in a movie or whatever, right? So it's it it crosses cultures. But as you said in your article in the very last paragraph, remember to keep it simple, especially if you're coaching across cultures, languages, or generations. True. True. And, and you may survey a different audience in a different part of the world and come up with an entirely different set of analogies that works. Um, so they have to be relatable first and foremost. Uh, and I think that requires a certain amount of, uh, you know, paying attention to who you're in front of when you're, when you're telling the story or when they're, when they're telling their story as well. Yeah. I was in a, it was funny you used to say that I was in a group supervision. So we're being supervised in a group not a course, but the actual supervision, coaching supervision. And uh, and one of the people said, and I put a pin in it. Yes. Well, and I know that not necessarily an analogy, but it's certainly something that generates thought. And it was interesting because one of us thought about it as putting a pin in a balloon and breaking the situation, whereas the rest of us saw it as parking the situation. You know, yes. put a pin in it and we'll come back to it. Yes. So it's interesting and goes to your point about cultures and generations and, and languages. Yeah. And that to me, that's a perfect opportunity for that classic. Oh, what do you mean by that? Or tell me more. And, and hopefully you can get a little bit more understanding of the situation before the misunderstanding spreads farther than it needs to. Nothing that worse than coaching at Gen X and bringing up eight track tapes. <laughs> you know, it's like when you put an eight track tape in your old 68 Cougar, it's like just doesn't work. People just doesn't. It's true. Work. Yeah. Now, that being said, you know, things are cyclical and, and the nineties are hot again. And <laughs> as a person of a certain age myself, I'm fond of saying now I'm old enough to say such and such a thing. Uh, and if you get nods and recognition, then, then, you know, you're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I'm, and I, I just can't help but reference your article because you're a funny guy. Um, you said, and now and it goes back to analogies are simple. And I, I'm going to quote you uh, in our ever complex world. We coaches tend to reach for intricate frameworks to apply to what our clients are facing examples of adult development, polarities, VUCA and other models being belong in the toolbox, but they're not the only tools. Coaching can also be about toothpaste, transportation, and topiary. <laughs> like even just those three in one sentence is never going to happen again in the pages of choice. I would expect. Thank but you. Well, thank you for the for the lightness of being. We do love a little alliteration from time to time, don't we? Uh, we do. We do. Oh, it's amazing. Um, uh, what's next for you in analogies? I suggested a 365, but you backed away from that. But no, what's next for you in, in, in this work? Yeah, I think there's a couple of ideas. One is that, uh, you know, it's it, it's out there. People can grab it. It's it's available, you know, wherever books are sold. And I, I expect it'll be around for a long time. Another is that, as you might imagine, uh, the work didn't exactly end when the book went to print. 
mm. in that I had a few things that didn't quite make it in the first time. I've developed a few more like the one I told you about earlier just now. Uh, and these things have a way of now finding me and that, you know, feedback comes and conferences and emails and that sort of thing. I wouldn't be surprised to see a second anthology turn up at some point in the not too distant future. Uh, not ready quite yet to commit to, you know, publication dates and whatnot, but, but it, it may be coming because I think the first one went better than I expected and, and, and there could be more. Um, you know, and, and, and that being said, uh, I've given talks about this at conferences of coaches. Matter of fact, at ICF Midwest uh, in Milwaukee a couple of years ago, I, I met you in the elevator when I was yeah. doing the presentation. Uh, and, and so I'm always looking for opportunities to take this material on the road, especially in front of other coaches, because that's, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a fun, comfortable space to, to talk about it in. Yeah, well, we all understand them. And like you said in your article, it's a core competency. It's one of the it's literally listed, wasn't it? It listed yeah. as analogy. Uh, core competency number seven evokes awareness states facilitates client insight and learning by using tools and techniques such as powerful questions, silence, metaphor, or analogy. That's right. I love That's it. Right. Oh, I don't know. Are you, are you stuck on metaphor? What about, or on analogies? What about metaphors? It's all powerful stuff and right. it's all related. So yeah. you might even pick up an analogy or two in my book and say, you know, that, that might be more like a metaphor and, and you could be right. You know, some people use them interchangeably. <laughs> Well said. Well said. Alan, delightful, delightful. What would you like our audience to do as a result of the article in this conversation? I could imagine a few things. One being, you know, open up to the possibility of using analogies in your own practice. You probably have a few. And whenever I'm in front of a group, I say, hey, what are your some of your favorite analogies that you've used with clients? And I never get silence. So, you know, that's out there. <laughs> uh, and two, uh, the book is available wherever books are sold. You know, whether that's brick and mortar or online, you can go to thesoupbook.com and find it there. Uh, and I'd love the, to hear from you. Thesoupbook.com. Thank yes, you. Sir. And I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, you know, tell me your stories of how this works in your practice or how it doesn't, or even... Uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for something to present to the uh, the leaders in your life that have made an impact, uh, this is this is good stuff to keep around the coffee table. That's true too. What a good idea! It's a client gift. Awesome. My clients all get them, of course. <laughs> of course they do. There's my business card. It's like me in Choice Magazine. I've got my business card. It's eight and a half by eleven. Fifty-two <laughs> pages, color. Yes. Um, what's the name of your uh, uh, blog? Sure. So uh, my coaching practice is Peaceful Direction. And on my website, PeacefulDirection.com, you will find a blog called Peaceful Reflections. Oh, lovely. Awesome. And if somebody wants to reach you, they can do it through that website or do you have an easier way? There's a contact form on the website. I also spend a fair amount of time on LinkedIn. So it's pretty easy to find me there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Alan, thank you so much for joining us for this Beyond the Page episode. I'm delighted to have the opportunity for both this and to be in the magazine. I've been a reader for several years and I'm, you know, of the generation who's impressed by print periodicals and seeing your <laughs> name in print because that's how I started my career. So it's it's kind of like a return to form for me. Oh, thank you. Well, we love doing it. And uh, did Ninja love the cover on that one? It's amazing. All right. Oh. All Makes right. you want to tear it right open. Right. Exactly. Thanks, Alan. That's it for this episode of Beyond the Page. For more episodes, subscribe via your favorite podcast app as you did to get to this one. 
If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up for your free digital issue of Choice Magazine by going to choice-online.com and clicking the Sign Up Now button. I'm Gary Schleifer. Enjoy the journey of mastery. Thanks, Alan. Thank you.